This week, we're not interested in your wallet. We just want to make it with Kickboxer. This is Body Counts and Beer. Welcome to yet another edition of Body Counts and Beer. I'm Mark Rosenthal. I'm Patrick Bromley. I guess I'm John Rooney. Yep, you should still feel sad about that. (laughs) Today we are talking about the 1989 Jean-Claude Van Damme classic, Kickboxer. Guys, this is an amazing movie. No? No response? <laughs> no one? Just me? I'm the only one who thought that? It's fantastic. It is so good. Couple things you should know about this movie. It was released in 1989. It was a Canon Film Group's release. Canon, of course, known for their super low budget. Get them out there as fast as we can. Who cares what they look like? Try to make as much money as possible thing. Uh, this is part of Van Damme's Canon Films trilogy that started with Bloodsport, continued with Cyborg, the movie made from the remains of Masters of the Universe 2 and Spider-Man, and then, of course, ends with Kickboxer. Uh, interestingly enough, this movie has spawned several sequels. Uh, Kickboxers 2 through 4 all-star Sasha Mitchell, better known as Cody, from the TGIF classic Step by Step, the Doofy <laughs> Nephew. And also, the fifth sequel, which we saw the trailer for on the DVD, is called Kickboxer 5 Redemption, and it stars the chairman of Iron Chef America, Mark DeCascos. And co-starring the bad guy from Space Mutiny. And also starring one of the brothers from Double Dragon, Mark DeCascos. Oh, no shit. Did he play Billy Lee? He played the one that's not Scott Wolf for some reason. (laughs) (laughs) One last little thing about this movie that it's kind of interesting. Kickboxer is one of those rare movies that actually fits into two, count them, two different film franchises. There's, of course, the Kickboxer franchise, Kickboxer 1 through 5. There's a remake coming out soon starring Dave Bautista as Tong Po. And, but this is kind of more important. In German-speaking countries, Kickboxer is known as Karate Tiger 3. Kind of a better title. What are the other Karate Tigers? You didn't ask out loud, but I'm going to tell you anyways. Let me tell you anyways. Karate Tiger 1 is a movie called No Retreat, No Surrender. It's Jean-Claude Van Damme's very first major starring role in a film. Karate Tiger 2 is No Retreat, No Surrender 2, a sequel that features none of the original actors, none of the original characters, and follows none of the original plot of the original No Retreat, No Surrender. Alright, following this so far seems pretty straightforward. Of course, Karate Tiger 3... Kickboxer. What? Yeah, it has nothing to do with anything. It's definitely the Halloween 3 season of the witch of this series. It's the Tokyo Drift, if you will. Oh, it's the furthest part of the timeline? That's right. It's the darkest timeline. Oh, no. (laughs) That brings us to Karate Tiger 4, a movie called Best of the Best. Another kickboxing movie from the late 80s, early 90s with Eric Roberts, I think, maybe? Oh, man. You had me at Best of the Best. Yeah, you did. That brings us to Karate Tiger 5, a movie called The King of the Kickboxers. Now that has to be Eric Roberts. Yeah, I mean, he's clearly the king of all the kickboxers. Look at his nose. He's been kicked so many times in that nose. Easily. And like King Ralph, it is the best of its genre. Oh, absolutely. Anytime you put the word king in your title, you are automatically tops. That's just one of those things. You're bound by law. Return of the King, clearly the best of the Lord of the Rings movies. Oh. Clearly the best. The Oscar-winning best picture, Return of the King. Oh. I will fight you to death. (laughs) I liked it after the second ending. After that, I was really upset. It got 11 Oscars, one for each ending, and you will not disagree with the Academy of Motion Pictures. Right. The Academy of Motion Picture Sciences has never, ever made a mistake. That's true. Isn't that right, Mira Sorvino or Marissa Tomei? Never made a mistake. Hey, Dances with Wolves is way better than Casino. We all know that's true. Absolutely true. It's also Goodfellas, not Casino. (laughs) You're Casino! I'm totally Casino! Get out of here, Goodfellas! Moving on, Karate Tiger 6 is (laughs) 
Kickboxer 3. We've skipped right over Kickboxer 2. It's not important to the to the octology. We're going right to Kickboxer Whoa, 3. Whoa, the octagon is part of this? <laughs> no, unfortunately, the octagon, I'm sure, is probably somewhere in Germany part of the Delta Force <laughs> series of movies. Uh, Karate Tiger 7 is To Be the Best. A movie that I feel like is a big, a big uh, best of the best ripoff, or at least a prequel. Oh yeah, maybe to be the best, they have to be the best of the best. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And when all they all die, we need the best of the rest. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> and finally, Karate Tiger Eight, a movie called Fists of Iron, which, near as I can tell, went straight to video and is no longer in print and stars nobody of note. <laughs> But they do have fists of iron. Sure, yeah, that's absolutely true. No, you can't beat that. No, well, you can't. No, unless you had fists of, say, surgical steel, titanium, titanium, unobtainium. Really, really any metal is stronger than iron. (laughs) Iron's not particularly strong. I mean, I guess really I'd take a monkey's paw over fists of iron. Like a monkey's bone? No, no, no. Like that Brendan Fraser movie, Monkey Bone? Yes, that's right. I'm just saying. With John Leguizamo as the monkey bone. Holy shit, is that Karate Tiger 9? (laughs) Can it be? It is now. Let me edit that Wikipedia page. You heard it here first. The long undiscovered Karate Tiger 9, Monkey Bone, starring Brendan Fraser. You're welcome, German-speaking countries. (laughs) You're gonna love Monkey Bone. Oh, man. And then there's so much more Brendan Fraser to get to. There's Encino Man. There's Ooh. the one where he plays the baseball player from Brazil for some reason. Uh, it's called The Scout and stars Albert Brooks, and it's amazing. Don't you dare slag that movie. Mr. Return of the King is great. Fuck you. How many Oscars do you have, Mark? Zero? All well, right. well, you guys are burnishing your uh, theater critic credentials. How about we get back to Kickboxer? Right. We're talking about the movie Kickboxer. <laughs> Patrick, can you start us off and tell us a little bit about the opening to Kickboxer? Well, we begin with a really, really dirty, greasy, beat-up uh, Daniel Boone hat with the um, <clears throat> raccoon tail in the back. Begins to fight in a kickboxing match in what appears to be America for his championship title. We're going to assume he's fighting to retain it. That's right. The sentient, (laughs) greasy Daniel Boone hat is Eric Sloan, and he is the greatest kickboxer in America. And he fights the ultimate match, which sets a precedent for the rest of the movie where nobody is allowed to counter anybody's yeah. attacks with other attacks. Or you even just, blocks. You just stand there and take it. Well, it is the honor-bound code of the kickboxer is once you see that you are being attacked, the honorable thing is to just let it happen. <laughs> just take it. Just take let it your roll. lumps. Uh, and when the fight is over, we are introduced pretty much to Eric's brother, Kurt Sloan, played by the wonderful Jean-Claude Van Damme. (laughs) Now, these two are brothers, but do they share any physical features in common? Absolutely Absolutely not. not. (laughs) One of them is about six foot five, brunette, mustache, weighs about 350 pounds, and is American as apple pie. The other is about five foot eight, (laughs) weighs about 175, blonde, and Belgian. Now, do they ever touch on this in the movie? Do they give any kind of explanation whatsoever? On an almost constant basis. Yes, only every ten minutes. <laughs> now, this movie, it, it operates by the Poochie principle, <laughs> whereby anytime Jean-Claude Van Damme is on screen with his brother, the dialogue has to address why they are related and why they have different accents. And but, every time they're not on screen, everybody has to ask what's happening with him. His character, lest we be left out of some horrible thing. <laughs> I'm surprised the movie didn't end with him just being like shuffled off the frame with a little note that just said, I have to go save my home planet. And then <laughs> Eric Sloan died on his trip. In the immediate aftermath of Eric Sloan's championship retention fight, we learn how different they are. For Eric Sloan is a championship fighter, and Jean-Claude Van Damme, Kurt Sloan, wants to grow up to be a veterinarian. Or a lawyer. 
Depends on who you ask. <laughs> That's true. Eric is very determined that he will grow up to be a lawyer and even says, if he doesn't, I'm going to kick his ass. Now, at no point, Jean-Claude Van Damme in this movie is magnetically drawn to any kind of bird in a cage. True. If there's any kind of bird in a cage, he will go up to it immediately and start angrily snapping at it as if it's a parrot that is refusing to talk back to him. And he's just having none of it. So there is kind of a, a precedent for him to be a veterinarian. Sure. But at no point does he show any aptitude for the law. Nope. In fact, he has a flagrant disregard for it. <laughs> That's true. At many points in this movie. That's true. There's at least several times in the movie somebody asks him what a tort is, and he has no idea. No. <laughs> he just knows they have to be reformed. <laughs> so, after... Eric's, uh, after Eric Sloan defeats some guy in a ring somewhere in America, they head off to Thailand to face the greatest kickboxer known as Tong the Tiger Po. This is where we get Karate Tiger 3, for this, those of you of course, paying attention at home. The movie's actually named after the villain. <laughs> this is also the part of the movie where one of the reporters says to Eric, Now, as you know, this is where kickboxing was invented, and they're the best. In the most professorial possible tone. <laughs> and what's weird is, that's not a question. <laughs> There's nothing for him to answer. Nope. <laughs> and this leads us to our first montage of the film. Woo. That's right, this first montage is a sort of sightseeing tour through the canals of, of Thailand, where the first thing we see are five naked, completely naked, 12-year-old boys diving in the water. And what does Kurt Sloan and Jean-Claude Van Damme do almost immediately? Take a picture. He takes pictures Deeply of uncomfortable. Well, so I mean, uncomfortable. he was just staring and it will last longer. Oh, God, no. I don't remember which one of you said it when we were watching the movie, but you said as soon as we're done watching this, we are all on a watch list oh, now. Oh, definitely. <laughs> I feel so bad. This movie was mass-produced. It is not our fault. <laughs> so the montage really? continues, and Kurt Sloan, Jean-Claude Van Damme, finds a nice lady on a boat selling beautiful flowers. And he reaches over and he buys some flowers. John, who did he buy flowers for? Himself, because yeah, he, he earned them. <laughs> it's like when you go to Dairy Queen and you're by yourself and you get the biggest banana split because you feel like you did good at work that week. He just buys himself some flowers as just a little treat. And he holds them like a little pageant lady holds her flowers like he's holding the baby, just cradling those sweet purple flowers. The montage ends, they get on dry land, and almost immediately, Kurt Sloan picks up a hooker. I think Eric Sloan. Eric Sloan. I mean, Eric, Eric Sloan, Sloan, that's right. Jean-Claude Van Damme isn't uncouth enough to no. get a, a hooker. And he does this by uh, stealing Jean-Claude Van Damme's bouquet of pretty, pretty flowers yes. and giving them to a pretty, pretty lady. A pretty, pretty hooker. Again, I want to stress that in my favorite line of the movie... We determine that this young woman is not a hooker. For True. Eric Sloan tells us when Jean-Claude Van Damme warns him to watch his wallet as he is going up to the hotel with this young lady. Because he's super racist against Asians. And he thinks that they're all thieves. Eric Sloan says, she's not interested in my wallet. She just wants to make it with the champ. My favorite line of the movie. Oh, Definitely. Of course, where did he pick up this, this, this hooker slash... Starfucker? I don't know. Where does he pick her up? In the midst of all of the titty bars in Bangkok. Uh, there's some great names for some of the nudie bars there. I wrote some of them down. Uh, there's Jugs Bar, Thigh Bar. Very informative yeah. on those ones. Yeah, that, I think they everything you need to know is right there in the title. Uh, I prefer the thigh. Is there a bar for me? <laughs> right this way, sir. Oh, good. For the discerning gentleman, there's the fire cat. Woo. Which, I don't know what's necessarily sexy about a fire cat. Underneath the sign at fire cat, by the way, it says, Go, go, girls. Hot step, hot stuff for lovers. Hot stuff for lovers? Go, it... go, girls. Hot stuff for lovers at the fire cat. Meow. <laughs> and of and course, then... everyone's favorite... Pussy Alive. Pussy Alive. My favorite James Bond character. <laughs> okay, so that takes us to the... Uh... Ten minutes into the movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
That takes <laughs> us to the lead up. That actually takes us to our second montage of the movie, hot on the heels of the first, which is sort of a mini training montage in this public park where hundreds of tiny old uh, uh, Thai guys have gathered around to see the sentient Jerry Curl fight his brother. They train back and forth at about, I would say, is about quarter speed. For no more than five minutes. Yeah, absolutely no more than five minutes. Eric seems to take the entire training session to just go out of his way to insult Kurt and how he is not powerful enough and he's a terrible fighter. Mm -hmm. But Kurt replies that he knows three languages and can dance ballet. So, point to Kurt, really. (laughs) This is another scene where they point out... uh, they try to explain away his accent with exposition for no reason. Where he's like, oh, you grew up with dad in the United States. He's like, yeah, nothing I ever do is good enough for him. And then, he, and then he's like, yeah, he was always pushing me. I always had to be the best. Well, it worked. It totally You're the worked. world champion kickboxer, you ungrateful jerk. Also, this comes amidst him treating Jean-Claude Van Damme exactly the same way. And the cats in the cradle and the silver spoon. <laughs> Nailed it. So that leads us to the big fight between Eric Sloan and Tong the Dragon Poe. Tong the Tiger Poe. He's the, he's the tiger. He's the tiger. He's not the dragon. Not a dragon. Dragon. That was a little racist, I'm it, sorry. It is definitely Tiger Karate 3 we're talking about yeah, here. Yeah, Karate Tiger 3, absolutely. <laughs> How can I forget? Is it because I've been drinking beer on this podcast called Body Counts and Beer? Could be. Definitely is. I'm drinking one right now. That's unfounded. <laughs> Completely unfounded. In any case, when we arrive at the arena... Uh, Eric sends Kurt to go get him some pre-match ice... Right. At this point, as you Kurt do, <laughs> will hear the thunder. The sound of pounding timpani punches and kicks. And what is it? Tong Po Tong. kicking a concrete column. Now, it's as if he has history with this concrete column. <laughs> yeah. He has a sort of grudging respect for. Oh, you column again. I see we've met. <laughs> You can take so much punishment. (laughs) But unfortunately, you brought great shame on my family, so I must destroy you. And he does. He does. He is kicking it so hard that, like, pieces of plaster are falling off. It's shaking loose from the roof and the floor. Is it a load-bearing column? (laughs) I hope not, because otherwise all of Bangkok is coming down. Because near as I can tell in this movie, Bangkok is about 100 square feet large. That's it. At least. Everything is within a literal stone's throw. (laughs) That is it. Upon seeing that Jean-Claude Van Damme is watching him kick this column, Tong Po gets angry and elbows the column. (laughs) This will send Jean-Claude Van Damme fleeing in fear back to his brother to beg him to quit the match and go back to America. His response to that is just like, you have to stop, he's fucking crazy! Right, not that he's destroying a piece of concrete with his bare hands. Yeah, not that he has superpowers, not that he's the strongest human being that's ever lived. It's, he's crazy, he's mentally unbalanced. (laughs) And this will be uh, countered by Eric Sloan sort of shaking his fists in the air really fast and making that sound you make when you kind of flap your cheek and make it sound like you're masturbating. No, more like this one. Oh, there we go. Nailed it. <laughs> there, there's our explicit rating right there. <laughs> well this earned. Is, this is PMA. I don't know. The podcast MA. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I don't know how ratings work. Uh, it's TVY14. <laughs> For V, D, and L. (laughs) In any case, with that wet, fleshy smacking sound, we move to the fight itself. It doesn't go very well for Eric Sloan. He is beaten up so quickly by Tong Po because, unfortunately, he steadfastly refuses to block any blow or even fight back. (laughs) It's it's a a little-known rule in kickboxing that when your opponent strikes you, you are honor-bound not to put up any resistance. At all. You just soak it. He's just done. You're done. It's like when you're playing against that kid who's really good at Street Fighter (laughs) 2. 
like you try to get to, like you don't hold back to try to block his combo because no. you know that's just gonna make him angrier. Yeah, you just let him get it out. <laughs> Tongpo defeats Eric Sloan with what I would say is conservatively about five hundred knees to the to the ribs. Yeah, yeah, conservatively five hundred knee to the ribs. Intercut so with uh, Jean Claude Van Damme just going. No! 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 It shouldn't surprise you to find out that Jean-Claude Van Damme choreographed and directed all of the fight scenes in this movie, which is why every single blow is shot from 30 different angles and showed repeatedly over and over and over and over and over again with as many disorienting jump cuts as is humanly possible. (laughs) It's like he saw the movie Highlander and was like, I love the way he edited this movie. (laughs) And then took it to, like, the next level. But it's only in the fight scenes. And the rest of the movie is just in long, weird, static takes. Yeah. It's filmed like a chamber drama. until It's like a Merchant <laughs> Ivory movie. Until Van Damme gets a hold of the camera. Yeah, yeah, and then yeah. it's like, click, click, cut, click, pan, cut, click. <laughs> in any case, after receiving no less than a good 50, 60,000 knees oh, to the chest. Oh, yeah. Eric goes down to the floor. Uh, Kurt will throw in the towel. Tong Po will kick the towel back out, refusing to let him uh, give up. And then he will deliver the people's elbow right to Eric's vertebra. Oh, yeah. Shattering it. And, and, and John, how, how do the people who are uh, sponsoring the fight react to his vertebrae? his spine being destroyed. Right, there are two shady characters way up in the rafters looking Mm -hmm. upon the chaos that they've sown. Uh, One of them claps, like, once, and the other one just sort of nods as if, ah, yes, all is according to plan. Yep, and then the crippled man is thrown out onto the street. Yep. (laughs) Literally into the middle of the street. Now, Jean-Claude Van Damme does try to get some of his honor back by seeking vengeance in the ring immediately, and is... He is immediately kicked in the chest, out of the ring again. He is kicked with as little effort as possible, like in, uh, what is it, Enter the Dragon, when Kareem Abdul-Jabbar kicks Bruce Lee. Game of death. And he doesn't even get up from his chest. That's kind of what happens in this movie. Tong Po can't even be bothered to put all of his force behind the kick, and it sends Van Damme flying out of the ring, right into the lap of our good new friend, Winston Taylor. U.S. Special Forces, Green Beret, on and off, you know, does what he does. Arms dealer, man about town, procurer of whores. He's all over the place. It is It's. It is like the entire A-team just merged into one person. Baby, he even has a really nice van. He does. He does. A really nice windowless van. <laughs> that he uses to take the now crippled uh, Eric and Kurt to the Taiwanese hospital. That yep. is clearly the waiting room of a very busy office building. Yes. Yeah. That had signs printed out on dot matrix paper to make it look more hospital-y. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Because nothing says medical professional like dot matrix paper. That is 100% true. And that is where the doctor informs Jean-Claude Van Damme that his brother, while he did survive, and that is a miracle. It really is. He will never walk again. And Jean-Claude Van Damme's immediate response is to try to kill this doctor. <laughs> he tries to kill the doctor. Luckily, our friend Winston Taylor will stop him. And that leads to our third montage of the movie. We are 15 minutes into the movie. We are three montages deep. This is my favorite montage in the movie. It's the Van Damme sad travelogue through Bangkok montage. What's amazing is that he is going to these just gorgeous Buddhist temples. Yeah. He he goes through the reclining Buddha, all these awe-inspiring landmarks. And he is just... The saddest little Charlie Brown slumped he's, over walk. He's literally like shuffling his feet and kicking dirt and his hands are in his pockets. pockets. And just like you like if there was any sound you could you just know it'd be him going but like it's like he bought tickets for a walking tour of Bangkok and was like, Well, I can't let these go to waste, but I'm gonna be real angry about it. However, we have to stop this montage because he stumbles across a Muay Thai kickboxing school. That's right. Yeah. He goes in and he he asks the dojo master to train him in Muay Thai so he can fight Tong Po. That is when 
50 super chiseled 12 year olds laugh him out of the room yeah the entire junior olympic squad of thailand is in this shot and they chuckle really hard at jean-claude van damme he walks out jams his hand back into his pockets the montage music resumes for one more shot and then it's done the montage just stops as he walks away. I, I'm surprised it didn't end with, like, the iris in, like, every Chaplin movie. Like, that sad, slow, yeah, like, right. wah, wah. Well, it's the not darkness a- closes around him. There's no more time for sadness, because Winston's here, and he's got some help. That he's, is uh, true. He informs Jean-Claude Van Damme that he knows of a master that will train him. That he lives way out in the boonies, and he'll take him there, but first they have to go drinking that night. That's right. Yeah, that's absolutely true. He becomes the embodiment of every peer pressure (laughs) cautionary tale in an after-school special, where he's like, come on, you wimp, you gotta drink first. What are you, some kind of... I'll take you there in the morning, but you gotta drink tonight. That's the deal. And then he says, come on, man, I know a real classy place. Cut to 50 strippers and pasties just shaking and jiggling. All over the place. Now, this is where we get some backstory for Winston. Uh, yeah, we get the little, we get more exposition. All Basically, all he says is, I was in Vietnam. I had a best friend. I could have helped him, but I didn't. It was anyway, brother. back to the plot. <laughs> That's literally what he does. He tells this really sad story. He's like, my brother needed me most. I froze. I wasn't there, and he died. But hey, what do you want? Let's have some drink, and then just pour has another beer, and that's it. Meanwhile, Kurt is pounding Perrier's. Yeah, he's in like multiple four Perrier's. empty bottles of Perrier uh, because his body is a temple, and he will treat it as such. <laughs> I'm just like, that's a lot of money. I can't imagine Perrier's <laughs> cheap in Thailand. Right. It's imported <laughs> from far away. <laughs> Uh, he's also super uninterested in all of the naked ladies. <laughs> right. Yeah. He not he he looks at like one of them once briefly with a look that's a mix of like confusion and disgust. Well, it's like he just he doesn't know quite how to handle himself, and I don't know if this is like a character choice to sort of demonstrate the naivete or the innocence of the character. Or if it's the fact that Jean-Claude Van Damme has four acting faces. True. One is confused, one is angry, one is sad, and one is, hey. Ooh, hey. And none of them are fully appropriate for whatever scene he's in. Absolutely not. We never know. The problem could simply be that uh, Kurt is a thigh bar kind of guy, and they're obviously a jugs bar. Yeah, that's that's a big problem. Uh, Excuse me, I believe you promised me a flaming cat. I see only naked women in this bar. I would like my cover charge refunded. Thank you. <laughs> uh, so this leads us to he uh, meets the man who's going to train him, Xian. And as he approaches his very modest residence, he's immediately ensnared in one of Xian's Home Alone style traps that he keeps around his house. <laughs> it's like it's like one of those like uh, uh, like. Uh, Boy Scout bear traps that sort of cinches yeah. his legs and zips him up a tree so he's upside down. He asks to be trained. The old man says no. He says please. Then the old man's like, go get me groceries and we'll talk about it. <laughs> and that's what happens. He goes to go get the old man groceries and that's when he meets My Lee. Ooh, My Lee. To be our love interest for the movie, Xian's niece. And he goes there to get her. And local small businesswoman. And local she small business. She owns a grocery store. That's right. She owns a grocery store with at least two jars of ketchup. At least. <laughs> a few cans of stuff. And at least rice, honey, and flour. Because that's all the old man Xian asked for. Rice, honey, and flour. That's all he needs for lunch. Now, I also love that this this store has an impenetrable security system where the money is kept in a box <laughs> that is then on a pulley. <laughs> That is slightly above reaching distance. <laughs> what I love about this, like, portion of the movie is, like, there's a clear, like, point where, for a brief period of time, this movie becomes, like, a Looney Tunes film. <laughs> like, he walks, he walks up to Xi'an, and he's like, he's like, oh, are you good at D? De- I want you to train me. Train me to be the best Muay Thai fighter. Are you good at defense? Yeah, I'm good at defense. 
Xian jumps in the air, hits Kurt in the face about 30 times in 12 seconds, lands, and says, you're terrible at defense. And for the rest of this next couple scenes, it's a wacky movie. Yeah. He, he rolls into the little town, which is apparently right around the tree behind the house. <laughs> he immediately walks into the town. He starts putting his hand into people's washing water and like drinking it and rubbing himself with it. And chasing their children. And chasing their children. <laughs> what I love about it is there's a group of about four or five kids in the middle of the town just aimlessly running in a circle. It's like the director said, I, I don't know, kids, just do like some kid stuff. And it's, then and I, then John, John, baby, Buki, <laughs> go have some fun with these children. And Show I, that you're a caring, nurturing man. I, I, Join in their game of circle running. I gotta tell you. I gotta tell you. All right, so I work in a museum, and I see kids every day. And kids fucking love to run in circles. <laughs> I wish there was anything in my life that brought me as much joy as kids get from running in circles. It's insane. They love that shit. Kids are stupid. <laughs> And by extension, so is the Jean-Claude Van Damme that chases them around of for course. just as much fun, really. So he he goes grocery shopping. Uh, again, there's another there's another birdcage that he angrily snaps at. <laughs> and then... Because he wants to be a veterinarian. <laughs> Polly, tell me what's wrong with your pancreas. I don't know where to operate if you don't tell me what's wrong. This is where we find out that Tong Po uh, runs this town, kind of. He's sort of an enforcer. He's a lot like Rocky uh, from the original Rocky movie, a sort of mob enforcer, which makes you kind of think that there's an alternate version of this movie about Tong Po, and then he's really just kind of this misunderstood great big lug. <laughs> yeah, that's Karate Tiger 3. <laughs> uh, so he dispatches a couple guys who come to collect on the uh, protection money. He goes back, and his training begins in earnest. Uh, and this is, uh, it's pretty great, because he comes back, he's given pants, he's given a pair of new clothes. He's given new clothes like a, by like his a master. karate gi and a nice, loose-fitting pair of pants. Sure, if they were made out of potato sacks, yes. Yeah. Right. <laughs> he immediately cuts the legs off the pants and turns them into short shorts. And for the rest of the movie, alternates between short, short potato sack pants and long potato sack pants. <laughs> what I like to think is happening is that he's getting new pants and immediately cutting them to the <laughs> chagrin of his master. <laughs> Who just keeps yelling, no, those were a gift. I'm going to give you one more pair, and by God, they better stay the same. Did you just cut them back into shorts? I swear, I'm pretty sure that Kurt Sloan is angling for a job at the Thigh Bar. <laughs> well, you just have to recognize, you know, it's the 80s. It used to be that great starlets would go out of their way, maybe show you a little side boob in a major mm, picture. Yeah. In Jean-Claude Van Damme's world, if he's not showing you the bottom curve of his ass, he's not doing his job. <laughs> Your money was paid for that ass. <laughs> oh, we'll get to that. Don't you worry. And of course, that brings us to our fourth montage of the movie, which is a training montage, kind of your typical training montage, except for the fact that it's completely silent. There's no music. Yeah. It's just weird ambient sounds and all of Van Damme's crazy like karate noises. Yeah. And it's always in slow motion when he makes them. And it's always like a... Uh, <laughs> oh. They're just like weird sounding like he's like he just like I don't even know what sounds what that would correspond to in a regular life. Like I just won a game of sorry. <laughs> uh, oh, that banana was delicious. <laughs> I don't know. Those sounds don't make any sense in any way. They're certainly not Muay Thai related. I it's also, like the air coming out of a dead body through a broken kazoo. <laughs> and I love the the like the like weird parlor games that basically he's put through. Like there's uh, four sort of like soft kicking pads, and his oh, master yeah. will tap them, and he'll have to repeat it like a game of kickboxing Simon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's another one where it's just, lay down, I'm gonna drop this gourd on your chest, and if you feel pain, I guess that means you're not ready? And then he's gotta kick, he has to kick this 
palm tree. Just this random palm tree with this bare shin. And he's just like kicking the shit out of this palm tree. And it's clearly causing him pain. And his master's like, meh, not ready. <laughs> yeah. Keep in kicking. Fact, not only that, but in my second favorite line of the movie, his master approaches him, raises one of the fronds of the palm tree as if it were the champion's hand and says, winner, palm tree. <laughs> And it's at this point that they take him to the ancient Thai ruins where he is told to listen with his ears and his mind and his heart. Uh, And he's visited by a guardian hawk. (laughs) Yes, a guardian hawk that will visit him throughout the movie in great times of need and look very confused. I don't know know how it's possible they found a bird actor (laughs) to look confused, but they found the... That is the Meryl Streep of bird actors. It's so good. And years down the line, we'll do a very embarrassing ABBA musical, I'm sure. But for the (laughs) most part, he's a very convincing bird actor. Now, during this montage, we get a... Right after the montage, we get a little bit of a cut to Tong Po just decimating a dude. And it's here that I realize that every single punch, kick, impact sound effect is the exact same sound effect. <laughs> it's like a brick thrown at a slab of meat. It's <laughs> the only sound effect they had. So all they could afford, they recorded it once in an echoey bathroom, and that was it. And they just use it over and over again. And then that leads us to, right after the fourth montage, another montage! There's a fifth montage, which is just more training, this time with music, which is sort of like, it's like halfway, like, 80s rock montage music, and half, like, serene monk you know, like Asian monk music, like mixed together. Yeah, it's East meets West. Sure. Oh, wow. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even put that it's together. It's the fusing of cultures. It's really wow. the theme of the whole movie. Yeah. I am a huge idiot. <laughs> <laughs> now, is this the montage where Jean-Claude Van Damme is forced to train underwater? Yeah, uh, that's the first time he's forced to train underwater, yes. Yeah. The old man plays the flute. And then all of a sudden, he just pops his head out of the water. He's like, get back down there, motherfucker. I still haven't played Jethro Tull yet. <laughs> beep, boop, 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 boop. Gets back underwater. <laughs> and then that takes us to the greatest scene in film history. Think of like the greatest scene in movie history. What do you think the greatest scene in movie history is? Sorry, crane shot at the end of Act 2 of Gone with the Wind that shows the entire Civil War battlefield, you idiot. Yeah, Patrick, that's a good one. That's your a favorite good scene one. in movie history? I think my favorite is the uh, mud-covered Arnold Schwarzenegger groaning out of the tree to get the Predator to come attack him in Predator. Right, you're both wrong. The greatest oh. scene in movie history is Xi'an takes Jean-Claude Van Damme to the shittiest bar in the world, feeds him a bunch of shots called Kiss of Death, and then asks him, are you a good dancer? You know, like disco, are you a good dancer? And then makes Jean-Claude Van Damme drunkenly dance for his amusement. To not a disco song. No, to a... Like a sax-heavy weird love ballad? Like a really terrible 80s version of... Of an old Stax soul song. <laughs> like a song that Isaac Hayes would have written in 1969. As or, played by the 80s. Yeah. <laughs> As played by two synthesizers and uh, a white guy playing saxophone. It's clearly a white guy. <laughs> We're missing, though, I think what makes this scene really take the cake is the fact that Jean-Claude Van Damme is... Claiming to be wearing a shirt that is, at best, a kitchen napkin with, like, suspenders on the back. Yeah, it's really crazy! <laughs> and he's got, like, baggy white khakis hiked up well past his belly button. Oh, yeah! Like, right underneath his oh, nipples. Yeah. Belted and- at the ribs, baby. <laughs> Belted at the ribs. And he proceeds to dance. John... Explain oh, what this man. dance looks. Paint me a word picture. Of this I don't dance. know. I don't Put know if we can. Word. Yeah, I don't know if if our language is vast enough to fully encompass the range of movements that are on display in this amazing I, dance scene. I will say this: go to YouTube, look it up. I guarantee, if you type in Van Dam dances, that will show up. One of two videos will show up. The, the pic from this movie of him dancing or a clip from him on like a talk show in the 90s where he's dancing. Imitating this dance. Where, and then he gets a huge boner. <laughs> and he 
gets really, he gets kind of embarrassed for a second and then just rolls with it. <laughs> Much to all the females on stage chagrin. Oh boy. But before we talked about, before we watched the movie, you told me you had a perfect description. Yeah, well, I dance. was thinking about this because this, this scene, you, you can't unsee it after you've seen it. And it's so iconic. You'll spend the rest of your life trying to make sense of it. This is, exactly, this is the first time Superman flies sure. in Richard Donner's Superman. Well, but, like, you have to figure it out. Like, this is my house of leaves. Like, right. I need to know what's right. behind it. It's such an iconic part. It's the giant tracking shock in Goodfellas. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's all the great things in cinema piled into this one man just shaking his ass. But I... Uh, There's so much splits. It, There's so much ass. And it, it feels like in this, he is trying to slip out of his clothes without his clothes noticing. Exactly true. He's just like a lot of like really long, weird, sharp movements, lots of pelvic thrusts. He is trying to perform a very complicated magic trick. (laughs) Although he is insanely ahead of his time because at one point he does the splits, he comes back up from it, twerks for the first time in human history, and then goes right back into the splits. Yeah, it's absolutely true. Oh, man. And then what happens? A bunch of dudes start a fight. That's true, because he's dancing with one girl, Mm -hmm. and her boyfriend, who's across the bar at the time, I guess, takes umbrage to it. Yes. Well, we also find out that Jean has been going to members of the bar community and explaining that Jean-Claude Van Damme is apparently, uh, what is it? Thinks their mothers fuck mules? Yes, yeah. He, Xian went around to everyone at the different tables, said, Kurt told everybody, Kurt said that you're terrible fighters and your mothers have sex with mules. And they were very upset about this, as they rightfully should oh, be. Oh, they demand satisfaction. And they are given satisfaction in the form of Jean-Claude Van Damme drunkenly, dancingly beating them mercilessly. There is one guy... He goes down the splits, hits two guys with his hands. There's another guy who he claps his hands around his ears. <laughs> oh, yeah, clearly creating a vacuum in his skull and killing him. There is no way that man it's is still alive. absolutely a murder. He kicks, a guy picks up a whole table, a giant wood table. Van Damme kicks to the table. The guy flies backwards into a weird pond in the middle of this bar. <laughs> pond bar. Yo, always, oh, all right. Always. Well, Jugs bar, thigh bar, pond bar, of pond course. Bar, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I forget. Well, and I love, at one point, Jean-Claude Van Damme seems to be done with the fight, so he sits back down at the bar, and like a real jackass with no regard for the waitstaff, takes his arm and sweeps all the empty shot glasses like, off the table onto yeah, the ground. I mean, 20 glasses. <laughs> it's practically the table from uh, the shot contest in Indiana Jones. <laughs> yes. And he just slides it all right off. He just so come on, buddy. And then and then finishes the last little sip of a yeah. kiss of death, and then stumbles out. <laughs> and I mean, so this leads us to uh, he has his first fight. He defeats his opponent, and everyone begins shouting "Nuxu Kao, Nuxu Kao," which means white warrior. He's nicknamed the White Warrior. Because no race walks away unscathed from this movie. <laughs> that's right. Everybody is racist in this movie. That's, that's very important. It's an equal opportunity offender when it comes to race. <laughs> now, we're back at home. Kind of a slow moment. It's time to cook lunch. Well, Winston, Winston's got a specialty for cooking lunch. That's right. He's got his jungle survivor quiche. What is what could possibly Well, when I was trapped in the jungles of Vietnam, I happened to rustle up the exact right amount of eggs and egg whites. (laughs) What am I gonna do with all this? If only I had a crust, so I fashioned one out of mud. Yeah, and then I found a couple little pieces of bok choy. (laughs) Like, what is jungle surprise? I baked it using only the energy of the sun. Well, you know, goat's milk turns to goat cheese in like six hours in the jungle. Oh, that's true, but yeah. you have to make sure that you cook it upwind from any, you know, <laughs> yeah. guerrilla war fighters that might be in the sure. area. Or true. tigers, You'll panthers, give away your position. snakes, orangutans, bears. If if the Jungle Book taught me anything, it's that bears are in all of the jungles <laughs> alongside orangutans. Why, why are there orangutans in the Jungle Book? I'm sorry, but orangutans are Asian animals. They are not in that jungle. That movie is horse shit. 
Anyways, Kickboxer <laughs> is the movie we're talking about. Well, let's 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 jump ahead here real quick because we're we're kind of running short here. So let's jump to the final fight. We find out from a overly dressed messenger that they're going to be fighting in the old style, oh, which yeah. means hands wrapped in rope, dipped in hot glue. And then dipped in broken glass. We get to the final fight. Uh, right before the final fight. Kurt... Oh, where does this final fight take place, by the way? Uh, oh. In a typical ring, I imagine. Absolutely no. not. It takes place in the old underground tomb. <laughs> you yeah, know, the one. Yeah, you know, the old underground tomb. Oh, Down... the one lit entirely by tiki torches? Yeah. That's right, yeah. yeah. With Down a cobra a... statue in the middle? Yeah, that's right. You know, down an old underground tomb way. <laughs> oh, you mean right across from the warehouse where Eric is being held hostage? Exactly. Perfect. You know, in the old underground tomb district. <laughs> <laughs> It's the old underground tomb part of town. You know, right next to not-so-old underground tomb. <laughs> but yeah, so Eric is being held in this warehouse, and he's being, uh, like, like a ransom against Kurt, uh, the one of the main bad guys. Comes yeah, Freddie and tells, Lee. Freddie, Freddie Lee. Lee, who kind of owns the town, goes to Kurt and says, you know, look, you have to be punished for defeating my fighter before, so you're not allowed to give up until the end of the fight, but you must let our fighter punish you for... You must let yeah. Tong the Tiger Po win. Right. Or else we will kill your brother slowly. Yeah, so yeah. literally the stakes could not be higher. Yeah, so the fight begins, and Kurt, like, he starts to fight for about half a second, and then just gets pummeled. Pummeled horribly. And he follows the ancient rules of kickboxing, where he does not fight back, and he does not block. That's right. Meanwhile, Xian has disappeared... He's on a rescue mission for Eric. Oh, no. So he rolls into the warehouse, and he he's doing Muay Thai and kickboxing all over the well, place. The way he gets into the warehouse is my favorite. He definitely is the kid from Home Alone, because he ties a pe- he smashes through the entrance with an old Buick. Yep. And then one of the guys takes his gun out, cocks his gun, and then moves his gun over to the other hand. Sure, as you do. Uh, opens the door and discovers that it's actually just a brick on the gas pedal and rope tied to the steering yep. wheel to make sure it goes straight. He then flies in and jump kicks a guy because from like as the 50 movie, feet away. As the movie continues to forget, this man also has magic powers. Yeah, no, if you yep. want to conceptualize the movements of Xi'an, you need to think about Yoda in the Doku fight. Sure, yeah. I was thinking, he, like, he is somehow, like, some weird transplant from Hidden Tiger, Crouch, and Dragon. Yeah, right. <laughs> like, he is the only person... Gian that... has Hong Kong fighting styles. Yeah. Everybody else is still in the 80s. He's the only person they bothered to hook the wires up to. <laughs> they couldn't afford wires for everybody else. So he takes out uh, most of the guys, but then, uh-oh, some guys come in with shotguns. And how does he get saved? Click, click, Winston Taylor, man about Tom, procurer of whores, fought in Vietnam, arms dealer, walks in with a semi-automatic machine gun, blows two dudes away with the machine gun feature, switches to the grenade launcher, and blows up half the warehouse with grenades. With grenades. All not all fired, not very far from where crippled Eric is not able to leave. Somehow crippled Eric, tied to a chair, which doesn't have wheels, (laughs) somehow survives. And they get back to the final fight just in time for Kurt to, to see him. And be rejuvenated. Right. Rejuvenated. In fact, Eric starts doing the, the chant. Yeah. He says the, was it, Nuxuka. Nuxuka. And then all of a sudden, everyone's like, oh, fuck Chong Po. Look at this guy. This yeah. guy's been getting his ass kicked the whole time. I think he's going to pull out our yeah. comeback. <laughs> well, as if Hulk Hogan taught me anything, if a large group of people chant your name and you hear it well enough... That's true. You can attain superpowers. That is absolutely 100% true. And it is at this point that, now, it's worth mentioning both fighters are fighting in what can only be described as very loose-fitting loincloths. Yeah, breech clouds. (laughs) And every single move that they make is like a roundhouse kick, so that every time they move... The butt flap flies straight into the air, and you get a nice glimpse of some Jean-Claude Van Damme buttocks. Oh, Literally, yeah. you will not see this much man-ass anywhere outside of a Chippendales. That's correct. <laughs> so the fight continues, and of course, 
Kurt wins the fight. Oh, he, yeah. He takes off the ropes and glass. He doesn't need them. And he beats the fuck out of Tong Po at the well, end. And Tong Po seems to be having like an existential crisis in the ring. There's several times where he'll look at his hands in just bewilderment. Why aren't you working? Just, I've spent my life fighting. And for what? <laughs> for this? <laughs> to be beaten by this... Start quote American end quote kickboxer and the fight is about the, the gong that signals the end of the fight is about to be struck when Winston comes in and nah uh uh and takes away the little mallet from the guy and so so Van Dam can pummel him some more because there's nothing more un-American than a technical knockout that is right <laughs> they beat the crap out of Tong Po. It is amazing. And then the movie just stops. <laughs> he wins. They raise him up. Credits. Well, I, they don't even get him all the way up. It's like in mid yeah. scoop. He doesn't even get that far. They they he, they sort of scoop him up. They're kind of celebrating. For Everyone's laughing then, and having a good time. They like, more or <laughs> less move into the stands. The five of them are shaking hands, surrounded by a bunch of other people who are still in their seats. It's as if this isn't the main event. There's another fight coming <laughs> up, and they're all just gonna hang out and watch it. Right. It's like it's like that moment that like if you've ever seen film start to burn in a projector and it just stops for a minute yeah. before like that's what the ending of the movie is it's just like yep we ran out of movie uh, credits <laughs> I mean to their credit they had a lot of difficult loose ends to tie up and that's a reasonable choice to be like hey no let's not <laughs> what, one thing I would like to say about the final fight is at one point Tong Po hits Kurt and like blood flies on Freddie Lee's face and then he like wipes it off and then licks his fingers like licks his blood? It's like, this is 1989. Everyone knows about AIDS. Right. Why yeah. are you licking someone else's blood? You better get oh. yourself checked out, buddy. Oh, yeah. Seriously. I like to think there's like an alternate like Thai version of Philadelphia that happens starring Freddie Lee. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that's the, the truest genius of the abrupt ending is it leaves the door wide open for, let's say, seven more movies. <laughs> We're going to take a quick break right here until we get to, to some very important questions. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. Mark here, just butting in for just one second to let you know that we are building a social media empire that we will use to crush this pathetic world under our giant iron fists. Just kidding, of course. We have a Facebook page now, so like us there, uh, facebook.com backslash bodycountsandbeer. We also have a Twitter. Follow us there, at bodycountcast. And, of course, you can email us at bodycountsandbeer at gmail.com get in touch with us let us know what we're doing right what we're doing wrong if you want to send us money if you want to send me personally a bucket of fried chicken if you have any suggestions for movies we'd love to do we'd love to hear from you also you can listen to all of our podcasts on soundcloud.com just search for us there i'd tell you to type it in but then there's a bunch of hyphens you got to do and it's a whole big thing so just search body counts and beer on soundcloud and that'll do it and now back to the show and we are back, ladies and gentlemen. And now it's time to get to our lightning rounds. First question. What is the body count? Body counts. I'm going to say it is at least three people. Patrick? I'm going to go with more like seven. The actual body count of this movie is four. Everybody who's killed in this movie, confirmed, is killed by Winston Taylor in his assault on the warehouse with his giant machine gun slash grenade launcher. Now, I will say this. There are definitely other people in this movie who are dying later from their injuries. Yeah, definitely. absolutely. Yeah, like, they're not confirmed, but I'm reasonably sure at least 15 people actually die as a, as a result of the aftermath of kickboxing. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. How many war crimes were perpetrated in this film? War crimes. So we've got Winston, who is an ex-soldier for America, clearly using an illegally obtained military-grade weapon against civilians on foreign soil. Mm -hmm. There's no way five seconds after this movie ends, they aren't all immediately arrested by Interpol 
all American embassies are evacuated and they stand trial at The Hague. That is unquestionably a severe war crime. I would argue the greatest war crime in the movie, though, is Michelle Kesey's terrible Thai man makeup. (laughs) Oh, yeah. He's not of Asian descent. No, Michelle Kesey is a Moroccan man. He's like Jean-Claude Van Damme's best friend. They moved to Los Angeles together to work in Hollywood. That's how Jean-Claude Van Damme uh, became an extra in Breakin'. (laughs) They're both extras in Breakin' as dancing people in the background. Uh, but he has, like, this weird prosthetic, like, eye face piece. Which does not match his natural skin tone at any point in this movie. Absolutely not. Nope. Also, it changes from scene to scene. <laughs> so by the end of the movie, he looks like the weird Goro puppet from the Mortal Kombat movie. Yeah. <laughs> like, completely inhuman. Just a monster. For my money, the war crime in this movie is the shirt Jean-Claude Van Damme is wearing in that dance scene. Absolutely. Yeah, no, definitely. He would be taken to... That's like a Nuremberg trial. No, that's definitely against the Geneva Conventions, without doubt. All right, moving on. Our next lightning round question. What is the best kill? Best kill! For my money, the best kill is in Vengeance for the Stabbed Dog, a giant meat hook is wielded by Jian and thrown into our uh, knife-throwing dog stabber's taint is where it catches him, picks him up and throws him and just rides him across a warehouse where he's just dangling in this meat hook that's hooked into his tank. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm on board with that. Like, he's not a confirmed kill because he's still moving and flailing and screaming, but I'm sorry. You take a meat hook to the taint, you are bleeding to death. It's not like they took him off of there and took him to the hospital on the way back to the old underground tomb. There's no way. That guy's totally dead. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Uh, I'm going to say my favorite kill, though, is in the bar where he, Jean-Claude Van Damme, claps each side of one of the characters' heads, creating a vacuum in his skull. Oh, for sure. Definitely causing, you know, uh, some aneurysms and blood clots. (laughs) That guy had all the strokes right there. (laughs) (laughs) And if I recall, he wasn't necessarily attacking Jean-Claude Van Damme at that moment. He just sat down at the other end of the table that he just cleared, and Jean-Claude Van Damme was still... So amped on adrenaline and testosterone. And kiss of death. And kiss of death. (laughs) Then he just had to kill him. Then he explodes his brain. It's just the way it goes. For all we know, that was just the bartender trying to clean up some of the broken glass. That poor old man. (laughs) And finally, we come to the most important question of our podcast, of our lightning round. Is this an action movie? Is this an action movie? Uh, that is actually a much harder question to answer than you would, be, you know, reasonably assume on this. I'm going to go ahead and say yes, it is an action movie, although it's about 20 minutes of an action movie accidentally spliced into Jean-Claude Van Damme's travel slides from that time he visited <laughs> Thailand. In my opinion, it's like a it's like a really great kind of violent episode of Baywatch. There's a lot of montage. There's a lot of sad thinking. There's a lot of emoting. We did kind of skip over the part where uh, Jean-Claude Van Damme doesn't so much cry as he clenches moisture out of the air with his eye muscles. Uh, And so I don't know that I can give it full-on action movie. There's action in it, but I don't think it rises beyond the 90s TV show level of action. Yeah, I would be hard-pressed to call this an action movie. There's, yeah, you're right, about 20 minutes of action, and there's about an hour and 30 minutes of just meh. <laughs> and a lot of, like, really weird pseudo-covers of would-be popular 80s songs. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, faux songs in there. There's, like, a fake version of I Hate Myself for Loving You by Joan Jett. There's a fake version of Roll With It by Steve Winwood, which is called Rolling Roll With, with the, the Punches. Punches. And there's a super, super fake version of the I Am Telling You I'm Not Going from the Dreamgirls soundtrack for some reason. <laughs> it's really weird. It's really crazy. I, I can't in good conscience 
call this an action movie. I would call this a martial arts chamber drama of all things. <laughs> it's all in the subtext. It's, this movie, you know what this movie is? This movie is the in the bedroom of martial arts films. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing is on the surface. It's all hidden deep beneath there. Yeah. <laughs> all right, final thoughts. John, what's your review of this movie? I am going to give this movie a Jean-Claude Van Damme good time. Patrick, what is your review of this movie? I think that this is just a festival of sweaty man-ass, and I'm just not that sad about it. (laughs) Mark, what is your review of this movie? Not as good as Bloodsport, but twice as good as all the other Karate Tiger movies in the Octology. Ladies and gentlemen... Thank you so much for visiting us here today with Body Counts and Beer, and we will see you soon. I am Mark Rosenthal. I am Patrick Bromley. Despite my Muay Thai training montage, I'm still John Rooney. And you should still be sad about that. Thank you very much, ladies and gentlemen, and we will see you soon. Good night. Body Counts and Beer is the torturously inflamed Mark Rosenthal, the ragingly tormented John Rooney, and the maniacally heedless Patrick Bromley. Edited and produced by Mark Rosendahl. Like us on Facebook. Follow us on Twitter at BodyCountCast. Email us at BodyCountsAndBeer at gmail.com. And please subscribe, follow, love, like this beautiful podcast on SoundCloud.com.